Thanks for joining us at the Business Growth Cafe, where each week we select from a menu of topics for a focused discussion with an industry expert to provide insights that can impact your business's growth with your host, Angelo Ponzi. I am Angelo Ponzi, your host here at the Business Growth Cafe, and thank you for joining us. We are in unprecedented times as a result of coronavirus. Offices and businesses are closed, and employees are now working from home. And for many, this is a new experience. A lot of people have never had to work from home, and therefore, they might be struggling with how to do it. As for many business leaders, this may also be a new experience in how to deal with a remote workforce. Well, today at the cafe, I'm going to be speaking with Kimberly Lane, CEO and founder of Kimberly Connection Company, about improving broken cultures to connected leadership and how leaders need to engage with their remote employees, especially during this crisis. Kimberly, welcome. Thank you, Angelo. Really great to be here. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to have you here. What what timing uh, for, for us to be talking about this subject? Uh, Any time is a great time to be talking about connecting with with business leaders and employees and, and people in general. But more importantly, in today's environment, I'm concerned because I know people that are that are remote and they're feeling a little isolated and their leadership might not be as to support you connected as they should be. So we're going to jump into a lot of that and, and explore some of your thoughts and directions and guidance and tips and tricks and all those wonderful things. But first, why don't we take a few minutes? Why don't you introduce yourself to the audience and tell them about yourself and your brand? Great. Thank you. Thank you. So as Angelo was so kind to give me this wonderful introduction, I am Kimberly Lane and principal of the Kimberly Connection Company, also known as KCC. And as a professional speaker, as a culture turnaround consultant, and also a leadership executive coach, I'm just really passionate about helping leaders connect better with their employees. Because at the end of the day, uh, it's an asset that I think is being underutilized if you're not a good leader, because you're not bringing out the best in your people and having your people really be driven and highly productive and creative only adds to your bottom line. So just really really, um, passionate about the whole connected leadership and helping leaders and organizations build uh, thriving cultures. So. Okay. Now you said something and and that I want to go off on a little bit of a tangent. And that's about leadership. Leaders versus leadership. And you know, we say they're born leaders. I'm not sure anybody is totally born to be a leader. So how does someone who's now at the helm, they have some employees, they're building a business, how, how do they become efficient and effective, compassionate? empathetic leaders for their organization? So, you know, my, the way I approach organization leaders, you can have assessments on culture, assessments on how good a leader is, right? You can have workshops on how to be a connected leader or how to be a better listener or steps you can take to better engage your employees. But I believe the third step that's really mandatory, mandatory in order to make it effective and actually stick and sustainable is to have that coaching piece because not everybody is a leader. So for example, um, it, it studies show that 
40% of employees say if their managers, leaders, supervisors would acknowledge them on a regular, continuous basis, they would want to do more. They would want to be more productive. However, if you if I educate a leader and tell them that, that's fine. But what's going to actually get them to do that? So if I'm coaching them and I come to find out that for some reason they're not comfortable receiving praise or acknowledgement or, you know, that goes back from dad never approved of them, et cetera. Not that we mm-hmm. get into the deep childhood issues, but how is that leader going to then turn around and be able to acknowledge and praise his employees? Well, if he's not good at receiving it himself, right? So that coaching piece becomes really specific to the unique individual so that what needs to be happening at an organizational level, level as, as a leadership level could actually happen with the leader by helping them, uh, understand their own blocks in being an effective leader. Does that make sense? Sure, sure. Peeling their onion back, if you will, getting to the root of of who they are as individuals and how they work and interact with people. Correct. Yeah, their own strengths and weaknesses. Exactly. Yeah, perfect. So for all my guests, I I ask some consistent questions. I I like to see how we compare to the answers to everybody. So the first question I'm going to ask you, when thinking about growing your business, What keeps you up at night? Well, what keeps me up at night is that with all the leadership books, the Dale Carnegie programs, all the, you know, plethora of just great leadership books out there, Simon Sinek's talks, that there is still a lot of leaders out there that are not truly taking it to heart. You know, there's a lot of talk about having to be high EQ as a leader, right? Yet I still see in my experiences and working with companies that leaders are still using the old dictatorship methodology, which does not work, uh, never really did. And it's certainly not going to work with millennials today. So um, that keeps me up at night that how can I better get to those leaders that need it the most? Because those leaders most likely are saying, I don't need any help, right? So mm-hmm. that's kind of, you know, when trying to grow my business, how do I get to those people, those leaders that really could benefit from it and, and that it would benefit them personally as well, in addition to, you know, from a business impact, right? So that's that's kind of probably what keeps me up at night as far as growing my business. Okay. All right. What is the best business advice you've ever given and or received if it's different? Uh, I feel, uh, and it kind of applies to now actually. So the best advice I ever got was go where your hands are free. And what does that mean? Yes. What does it mean? (laughs) Yeah. So, right. So right now, you know, (laughs) we all, you know, if you're in sales, how can you get prospects right now? How could you be finding new prospects right now? You know, instead, you're probably having to go where your hands are free, which are let's look at your existing customers and strengthening those relationships. So Mm -hmm. instead of hitting your head continuously against the wall, trying to do a strategy that applied two months ago, it's time to kind of rethink a strategy that's applicable to the time now and go where you're able to make a difference or make an impact. So you're not going to be able to prospect and make cold calls right now. So what can you do? You know, as a sales leader, maybe it's time to really work on your team. Maybe it's time to really spend some one on one with each employee because you got the time now. You can have virtual coffee. Right. So it's the time when typically 
I think, connection with something that was easily put on the side burner because, oh, we have a deadline on a product or we have a new product offering or we've got you know sales we've got to get up this quarter. So going where we now have time to spend time, I think will only help leaders today and making sure their team's going to be around when we get through this, right? Because you want your team ready to rock and roll and jumpstart when we're through this. You don't want your, time, your team all of a sudden figuring out Huh, you are not a good leader. You were not supportive during this time. And I, I just don't want to be around with you anymore. Right. It's like right. time to find something better. Yeah. Well, you know, you hit on a couple of points. I, I think I mentioned I, I did a seminar yesterday, a webinar. And one of the things I talked about was, you know, dealing with today, but also got to prepare for tomorrow. So this is an opportunity to really step back, get out of your own head, Get out of the boardroom and talking to yourself. Get out there and, and speak to your customers and utilize that information and understanding their needs and wants, right? So looking at their emotional being as opposed to demographics. So you want to understand who they are. But and as you try to work in today's environment, the first reaction when it comes to marketing is we're going to cut our budgets. And my point is that's a mistake. Can't saying you can't alter your budgets and there needs to be a balance between operations and, and marketing. But when we come out of this and we will, and you sat on the sidelines or did nothing, those that did are going to be that much farther ahead. And I think leaders, a lot of business leaders out there have never experienced anything like this. Right. And so there's that tendency to be reactionary as opposed to being proactive. Is that in, in some of your dealings in the last, what are we into this, four or five weeks now? Um, are you finding some of that? Some of the leaders are struggling with being proactive versus reactionary? Yeah. And, you know, I'm always fascinated by neuro leadership and David Rock. He's a CEO and founder of the Neuro Leadership Institute. And he's got a great interview uh, where he talks about the effects of COVID-19 on leaders. And he's actually coined the phrase neuro leadership. But um it's, it's, if we're not, he, so he talks about if we're always operating in fear, that's using one part of your brain, right? So if, if mm -hmm. we as leaders are fearful about what is it going to do to our business, uh, my family, the economy, you know, all that's that uncertainty, we can't put our, put our hands and arms around and control, right? So what can you control? What, what certainty can you provide? So it's about pr providing certainty and structure around your teams and even yourself, right? And when you provide that certainty and change that fear that was there into more of a challenge, what challenge can I present before myself to get through this, right? And that now becomes uh, a structured goal, if you will. And you use a different part of your brain, which that then reduces your stress level and actually makes you feel like you're moving toward forward and moving uh, through something as opposed to kind of feeling stuck, right? And that we mm -hmm. can't do anything about it. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And you mentioned stress. Let's let's talk about that for a second. I know we're going to certainly get into your book and, and some more specifics. But I mean, st stress can be such a inhibitor or crippler even uh, if people get into panic modes. And and, you know, I always tell folks that I know when they start to, to get a little anxiety ridden, it's like take a breath, count to 10. I, I say this all the time and people that I know, they'll call me and say, man, it's I'm freaking out. I don't know about this and that. And it's like, well, it's nine o'clock at night. Is there anything you can do about it tonight that'll change the impact tomorrow? If the answer is no, put it aside, go put on Netflix or whatever and just get out of your head. 
instead of stressing and, and losing sleep and, and making yourself miserable because you can't do anything about it. So do you find that in your work, whether it's during this environment today or just in general, that people with high stress and anxiety also has a huge impact on who they are as leaders? So if I understand your question, so you're correlating that a good leader or a leader can be defined or, or uh, by their level of stress that they take on or anxiety. Is that kind of what your question's about? Well, partially, yeah, in, in that they can manage it better. Correct. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, because as a leader, most likely you're, you're forging through, you know, weeds. You're forging through the forest. You're the one taking the lead, not knowing all the answers, right, not knowing exactly what's going to happen, but you have to take action, right? And you have to build confidence with your team and your employees. So you've got to move. You've got to move forward and and surround yourself with others that have good knowledge. If you don't have it, you know, admit that you could make a mistake and, you know, then you learn from that and you reshift and pivot and whatever you need to do. But yeah, I think you as a leader, you have to be able to manage your anxiety and your stress. And you know, I, I right now I'm doing a lot of coaching and speaking to self-care as a leader. Right. So because if you're not taking care of yourself, you, you're not available or in the best spot for your team mentally. Right. So you've got to be strong. So that means when you're not in front of your team on this, you know, when you're when you're off the field, so to speak, you mm-hmm. know, what are you doing to take care of yourself mentally? So. Um, like watching the news constantly is not a good program. I would agree <laughs> you know, with that. <laughs> so, you know, um, I was reading something the other day. It was like, I think we get 11 million per second pieces of information. And we are only physically able to process 50 of that. And if that 50 is mostly negative, it's really doing the demise for your mental capacity, right? So it's really to tune out, you know, to limit your media intake, you know, once or twice a day at minimum, but then also in order to combat or counteract that negativity, bringing something positive, you know, go walk the dog, go take a jog, you know, pick up the phone and call somebody that you haven't talked to for a while or call an employee and share a laugh, right? So Mm -hmm. trying to bring in some positive forces throughout the day that you have control over as a leader that reinforce and boost you so that you're better able to be able to be you know, present and motivating for your team, right? And be that pillar of strength um, right. when you're working with them. And, and I think you said something that, that, that I like, it's you have control over, right? People talk about work-life balance. And I always say that, yeah, we all want to achieve it. And there's only one person that can help you do that. And that's yourself. So if you have control over, which I think was what I was trying to get at before, if you have control over your environment, your destiny, so to speak, you can make those decisions. I, you, you mentioned the news and I became an avid news junkie over the last year. And I find myself, I can't watch more than five or six minutes now. And I just, it just stresses me out. And so I choose not to do it. Let me, uh, let me jump in. I want to go 30,000 foot. We're going to work our way down. But you used a term in your book, connected leadership. Let's let's talk about that a little bit and explain that 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 concept to the audience. So, yeah, connected leadership is 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 almost what I'd call modern leadership, because now the millennials 
are not like maybe our forefathers were that, you know, once you got a job, you pretty much were there for 10 to 20 years. Millennials will maybe hang out a year or two, right? And if they're not feeling fed by their organization or by their leader, they're going to choose to go elsewhere. I think one of the statistics is 57% of the time an employee will leave for a like job, like pay, like benefit if their leader is not there or if they don't feel connected to their leaders. So mm-hmm. hence I've termed the term connected leadership. And it's different in the essence that as a connected leader, you care first about the person, not the position. You know, you care, I guess you should care first about the person before you care about the position they're in or the product or um, you know, the task at hand, if you will, you, you care first about the person, because when you're first, they know that they can in, uh, communicate with you, be honest with you, and that you have their back, they're more inclined to trust you, be more creative and be more productive, and to invest more time on the benefit of, of your leadership and the company, right? So that's kind of a be a coach as opposed to dictating. The second okay. piece is um, doing more collaborative work as opposed to just instructing them to do it all themselves or, you know, right, go solve that problem. You know, you've got a problem with trying to get that client. Well, go solve that problem as opposed to how can we brainstorm together and come up with a better way to maybe go after that prospect? Let's collaborate that or let's collaborate on your growth and development plan. Right. So collaboration, again, as opposed to and letting them to have their own input into their development or to solving a problem is much more appealing to millennials and to really anybody these days. Um, And that's another step from a connected leadership. Um, The other thing too, is just, you know, transparent communication. I cannot say that enough. It's about, and it has to be bi-directional, right? Um, The communication has to, you know, say for example, if unfortunately there's a lot of people being furloughed, it's horrible right now. And my heart Mm -hmm. goes out to them and and I'm praying that for those people, when they're able to find another job, it's a better fit for them or they're making more money or something positive happens. But that being said, um, being able to have difficult conversations and be able to have constructive criticism with your employees is really important so that it's honest or in that transparent communication. If there is going to be a lay- layoff, you're very upfront about it so that people have answers. When we don't have answers, guess what the human nature does? We make up the worst scenario, the worst case scenario. So by being transparent in your communication and giving as much information as you can right now, maybe you don't have all the right answers, but you you share what you know and you say what you don't know. And that only builds trust with your team and they're willing to stick in there with you. So um, those are probably the, the top three I would say. So it's coaching, it's collaboration, and it's transparent, honest communication. Okay. Now, on the flip side, if we look at the current environment where a lot of people are working from home, there's also a kind of opposite factors that might be in impacting those work-at-home employees that have never really been there before. So, are there are there the same kind of three or four factors that might be impacting them? And I, I think one of them you had mentioned, and I'll start this conversation off, is with isolation. So that was one of the ones I think you mentioned. So why don't, if you got a few of those you want to talk about as well, I mean, as, as people that are working at home, that what they might be feeling. Yeah. So, um, you know, there it's one of the reasons, too, why I really enforce connected leadership or, want, or passionate about it, just because leaders and their relationships with their employees 
have the greatest impact on that employee's happiness. It's not necessarily the company. It's that direct day-to-day interaction with their leader that determines that employee's happiness. So if I can help more leaders uh, have connected leadership and have connection with their employees, that's going to only increase the level of happiness with your employee and hence also address the isolation piece. Um, with what's going on with this time right now, typically, you know, with, with the uncertainty and with the lack of control breeds anxiety, right? And we all have this underlying current of anxiety that's and it. Some days it's worse, some days it's better. But put on top of that, the fact that now people are being isolated at home or have never worked from home before and they're by themselves and coupled with the fact that you can't touch anybody, hug anybody, which has traditionally been an outlet when we're in crisis, only adds to the level of anxiety and feelings of depression and isolation that your employee may be feeling now working from home for the first time. So it's a it's a big it's a big deal. It's a you know it's 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 uh, really has made this crisis that much worse by the fact of this isolation, this forced isolation, inability to to, to touch each other. And to hug each other and to give any kind of emotional support. I mean, typically there would have been community vigils or church gatherings or hugs, right? We just can't do any of that. And even as a leader, you know, so um, that's, I guess, the best hug I, you could give as a leader right now is literally having at least once a week uh, a 90 minute phone call or a 60 minute phone call that's specifically with just that employee. And it begins with, how are you really doing? You know, and listening. Sure, so, sure. Um, and how can I help you? And what's your biggest challenge right now? And how, and, and hopefully you're building that relationship of trust that they can lo- really sincerely tell you what's going on. Well, I'm having trouble because I feel isolated or I'm constantly distracted. And so, you know, this is where you really have to be a coach as a leader right now to help them get just to manage their schedule maybe, or manage their distractions or help them to be able to be focused to get it. A, a response or an RFP done, you know, write something. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's a challenging time. There's um, prior to this, there was a, a statistic that I would quote in, in presentations. And that is something along the lines of 85% of the American workforce is either disengaged or unhappy in their job. So we go into this self-isolation or forced isolation with 85% of their workforce already being unhappy and disengaged. Any any predictions? I'll, I'll use the word prediction. We're, we're becoming, what do you call those? Uh, uh, psychics. Psychics, yeah. About what you think is going to, what it's going to look like when we come out of the un- other end. And I know, again, that's just not counting the people are being laid off and furloughed. And right, right. Like so I want to be addressed but, to that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just a weird situation if you really think about it that so many people were unhappy anyway. Uh, I think I saw another one, like 34% of people were changing their jobs. It might've been a little more geared towards millennials within 90 days of getting a new job. So we already had this kind of jumping around because there were so many jobs. Now we're at close to what, 10% unemployment all of a sudden again, and millions of people are applying for unemployment. So what do you think this looks like? Uh, I I really I think there's going to be a lot of truth that shows up, not only in families. I mean, where where families might have just been avoiding each other and working later or, you know, whatever, just totally avoiding each other. Now they're forced to be on top of each other. And one of two things are going to happen. They're either going to decide, you know what, 
I'm going to work on this relationship. We're going to work through this together and we're going to come better on the other side. Or they're going to be like, I never, ever want to be quarantined with this person again. I'm out of here. You know, and I think that's going to be the same kind of dynamic with a poor leader. If you've got a leader that's insensitive to what, you know, everybody's facing and their own personal struggles with anxiety and things that are going on at home. And is it really there as a coach or uh, giving them any mentorship or creating some community with their team and having one on ones? Those employees are going to be like, you know, this I'm not feeling value. This is like the worst of the worst. Mm -hmm. And if they have the luxury of being able to find another job, they will. So I think you're going to see, you know, the truth is going to come out. There's no gray anywhere. It's going to be black or white. You're either happy or you're not. You know, you either got really good support during this time or you didn't. And so people are going to take action. There's there's going to be the gray is eliminated. You know, people can't hide behind anything that um, I was talking to some friends the other day. It's like if you're still smoking, you're going to know it. Right. Because, you know, you, t- you might have told your wife you're, you quit smoking, but she's going to know you're still smoking now because you can't go anywhere. You're right here. Can't hide anything, yeah. Right. You yeah, can't hide anything. Exactly. Everything's going to be so poor leadership, bad leadership, your inability to connect with your people is going to be really there's going to be a spotlight on it. And this is the time to try to fix it, try to work on it, build your EQ. You know, you know, that's what I really try to coach on how to build your EQ, how to be relatable, how to be vulnerable. Um I'm really big on humor as well. So, you know, this is the time to build those connections and, and just improve your skill sets as a leader. Okay. We, we're, we're down to about the last five minutes. And so can you give me any specific examples, no names, but that, that were, how you've engaged uh, companies that have called you up and said, you know, here's my issues, here's my problems or some kind of, we're storytellers. So tell me a story about Great. a real world situation. Yeah, it was, um, I actually, it was funny. They called me in because they heard me on a uh, leadership podcast. How funny is that, right? And what had happened is they had lost, this particular chief sales officer had lost three of his top salespeople in the last three months. And he called me because this was middle of the year and he had aggressive sales numbers to hit and he can't do it one with half a team, right? And plus he had to fill the spots. The problem, though, their glass door rating was below a three. And, you know, for those of you that are familiar with glass door ratings, it's like it's an online advertisement about uh, how appealing it is to work at a particular company and their leadership. So being a three or below on a scale of one to five meant there was a lot of people not happy. So he lost those people. But then trying to attract talent was just horrible. And so what I found out, coincidentally, you know, being a sales team, a lot of them are remote, right? So we can't really do this now. But what I found out, they were never coming together as a community or as a team, other than the weekly team sales call, which was really about who did you call on? What's in your pipeline? What did you sell? Right. And that's fine for a check in. But you've got to have a cohesive team and a collaborating team. And so I, I, I called it two for the team. So twice a month, the team actually had to physically come together in person, whether it's half a day or full day and solve each other, you know, present problems with clients or challenges in closing a deal or and collaborate and work together. So that happened. And then the other one was 90 for 90 and helping. And I also was coaching this uh, sales leader on the additionally too. but 90 for 90 was having him twice a month do 90 minute 
in person, either lunch, over coffee, over dinner with each one of his salespeople about, again, how are you doing? What are your struggles? How can I help you? Can I help you? Can I go on a sales call with you? Um, because he wasn't doing that. He was just being, a, he was just taking the reports, right? What's, what are you selling? When's it going to close? X, Y, Z. And not really, again, building the people that build your business. And so within 90 days, his glass door rating went, he wanted to go from a three to four. Um, I made it go from a three to a five, or I should say his, his new leadership, his new culture. And he was able to attract the new three people and the new people. And sure enough, he had a winning year and a winning team. So um, I think, again, connections are the quickest thing we want to push away when we don't have time. Yet it's probably the one thing you can do that you'll get a return on much greater than if you just sat there and had did 20 more emails at lunchtime. You know, go go take an employee to lunch, go have some coffee together and get to know them and get to know what struggle, what they're struggling with and help mm-hmm. them. So, yeah, I, I, I've gone back to uh, some old fashioned uh, ways of doing business, like picking up the phone and actually calling somebody as opposed to sending them a text or sending them an email and assuming that because I sent it, it was done. I was dealing with somebody yesterday and they said, well, I sent you the email and I said, I, I didn't get it. Well, he was right. He did, but he, he attached it to, like a 15 email string. Wow. And it was just buried in there somewhere. And so I never got it. And fortunately I was looking for it. So we found it. So I think that uh, I agree with you that that connection and really getting involved and taking the time, it goes so far for people, especially considering because of technology and how disconnected we are, you know, we have to work hard to get connected. You know, it's like telling the kids, you know, quit, Quit texting the girl to for a date. Pick up the phone. And exactly <laughs> right. You'll get so much farther along. You'll get that date two weeks sooner. There you go. Yeah. All right. So um, last uh, last last few questions or last question. So we've covered a lot of topics today, and and really the concept of the show, of course, is is about business growth and helping companies achieve that. So to sum up, give me, I'll say two or three pointers or connection corrections um, that I can give that you can give my listeners to help them down their path to growth. Great. Great. I, uh, so yeah, I've got 16 connection corrections in my book and I have them actually in a, as a, one of the last, I think appendices it's as a, if you wanted to print it off and actually put it in your office and put it up on the wall, I think it's constant reminder of things you can do daily to, improve connections with your team. So one of the things I'm, I'm really passionate about, and I'll be honest, my book got launched in February. Uh, and it's about, there's a whole chapter talking about the power of digital technology in a good way, but then also in a negative way, because when we're texting and when we're emailing individuals or colleagues or peers, that we're taking the emotion out of it. That's just a, that's just an objective exchange. But when you pick up the phone, like you like to do Angelo, like I love to do, or you have an in-person meeting and Zoom right now is the best we've got. um, That is a emotional exchange that adds to the connection bucket versus sending someone an email or a text. Um, I was concerned with this, with the time we're in that digital technology was going to really be powerful and, and be able to uh, especially with Zoom being so prevalent and WebEx that it was going to be a replacement for 
or people are going to feel like it was a good replacement. It is right now a decent replacement, but I just read something on the Wall Street Journal that web, a Zoom does not replace human connection for this very reason. They did a study where they had babies who had their mothers or a parent would speak to them in a new language and did this over the course of a month. The baby learned the new language by having that parent there in their presence communicating and eye exchange and noises and coups and whatever. They did the same test with a Zoom or WebEx. Baby learned nothing, nothing. Hmm. Interesting. And because, and I'm talking to many people and I find this myself, I don't know about you, but after five Zoom meetings, I feel exhausted. And it's because we're, we're, we're outputting energy that typically when we're in a dynamic in-person scenario, you're getting that energy back that uplifts you. And there's that energy, that exchange that occurs, just like when you're sharing a meal, we're not getting that on Zoom. It's taking the energy out, but we're not getting it back. So uh, again, it's, you know, I, I'm so thankful we have this technology right now, but at the end of the day, people are going to crave human connection when I get out there in person, hug each other, have coffee together. So, you know, I guess my point to, as far as uh, advice is be very conscious during this time about how you choose to engage with people that, you know, if you're on a Zoom, make sure you're looking at them in the eye, you're asking questions, you're acknowledging, you're head nodding, things that you would do in person, right? Don't multitask, you know, exactly. don't be looking at something else. Be really, be truly present, be really listening. And that eye contact is so important. Um, and if you have an opportunity, instead of texting somebody, pick up the phone and call. You know, when you feel like you're struggling and it's a blur, pick up the phone and call somebody and get that one boost of connection, you know, from somebody that you care about, a friend or a colleague or, you know, that just, it, it means a lot to people when you pick up the phone. Okay. Does, well, so. we are out of time. So why don't we tell the listeners on uh, that we, you, tell the listeners how they can contact you, uh, purchase your book, your website, your LinkedIn, all that good stuff. Great. So, um, it's Kimberly Connection Company, if you want to just Google that. But you can certainly email me at kcc at Kimberly-Lane.com. My profile on LinkedIn is Kimberly-Lane.com. Um, that's probably the best way to get a hold of me. I'm really here to help anybody that's really struggling with their anxiety levels or struggling with just how to flip it so they're more effective as a leader during this time. So um, feel free to reach out. I look forward to helping you out. Thanks, yeah, Angela, well, thank for this opportunity. Oh, thank you. It's been wonderful. And thank you for listening out there in Cafe Land. You can find out more about me, read my blogs, or view my show videos, or sign up to receive more information at theponzigroup.com, or certainly connect with me on LinkedIn. And if your business is ready for growth and you need a CMO, but you're not quite ready for a full-time person yet, connect with me. I'd welcome the opportunity to explore the benefits of using a fractional CMO. And lastly, please subscribe to this show. And if you're already a subscriber, I encourage you to ask others or suggest to others to sign up and subscribe as well so they can benefit from content like this great content we heard today. You can find out more at thebusinessgrowthcafe.com or you can subscribe to any major podcast platform. Join me next week for lunch at the Business Growth Cafe. Thank you again. Thank you for listening to today's discussion at the Business Growth Cafe with your host, Angelo Ponzi. 
Take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and visit our website at www.businessgrowthcafe.com. Read Angelo Ponzi's blogs at www.theponzigroup.com.